Hi, everyone. This is Carolyn from Second Serve. Who is excited about the French Open? The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris, and you can watch every court live on Tennis Channel Plus. You can watch it on your phone or smart TV live in HD. So you can watch it at work or while you're waiting in your kid's carpool line. Live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. You can be there when it happens with Tennis Channel Plus. Hi, this is Carolyn, and I'm here with Aaron, and this is part two of our episode with Brett, who is the incoming president of USTA Southern. In part one, we discussed his book called Competitive Tennis, Climbing the NTRP Ladder, and he gave great advice for adult recreational players. So if you haven't listened to part one, we hope you go back and listen, but here's part two. So can you tell us about being a ratings verifier? I mean, now everyone gets a rating for the first time by filling out a form on the computer. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Like, did you travel all over the country to do it? Well, the process used to be you just go to a ratings clinic and I was a verifier. And so, you know, we were all verifiers, all the pros signed up to be verifiers. And, you know, every half hour you would do, you know, four people per court. So, you know, we'd have six verifiers and 24 people. And then we would watch you play and, you know, hit some serves, hit there and look at basic technical things that people could do and, and how athletic they were and things like that. And then we would give the rating based on visual. When, when people would make state, they would have verifiers at state to make sure that everybody was in level. But I'll tell you an interesting story. One time they had some two five ladies that played in state and so one of the teams appealed and said, you know, this is ridiculous. They're beating everybody so badly they shouldn't be playing. So we sat in the appeals hearing and the ladies are like, look, we played Olympic softball. and We've been practicing every day for three months and taking lessons. I go, well, that's why you're in a 3-5 already. <laughs> you shouldn't be playing in 2-5. <laughs> and that's why everybody's complaining. And you want all your matches 6-0, 6-0. So, you know, they used to have checks and balances like that. Um, now, you know, it's more computer driven. I think it was probably just an easier process. It was probably a lot cheaper, too, because they used to have to pay us to go and, and do it because we were all pros and we would take our time to do it. But that was a long time ago, very long time ago. So we just did it locally. We didn't we didn't travel all over the country because, you know, 3-5 is, you know, the way it works is 3-5 in New Orleans is a 3-5 in L.A., you know what I mean? So it's it, theoretically, everybody's the same, which is what makes it work so well as far as being competitive. Yeah. So the follow-up question of that was, um, Carol and I were both wondering and laughing about whether people tanked um, in front of you guys. Did, did, did you feel like anyone ever just like, didn't really play to their level because now people tank by just rating themselves lower and then maybe the computer catches up to them. But you know, what did people do when they actually had to be verified in person? Yeah. Well, we could usually figure those kind of people out when they were, you know, if they were doing that, when we were trying to verify, but uh, you know, but people, they can do it on the computer now. They, you know, you can tank a match and, you know, get your rating down lower so they can play a lower level and then get on some super team, you know, how it all works. So I don't, you know, I think they were able, we were able to identify most most of those people in the process. You mentioned the Olympic softball players, you know, winning every day or, or practicing every day and then becoming like three fives. Would you then disqualify them at states? Like, I almost think this process may have been better. I don't know where like there's somebody at states watching to make sure that somebody that really shouldn't be at that level doesn't play at states at that level. 
Yes, they were disqualified at the state level. And that was the thing, you know, if you if you had a chance of being disqualified at the state level, you just had to roll the dice if you wanted to really kind of slide out your sandbag and you got you got there and you start beating everybody and everybody identified as you as somebody that, you know, hey, you know what, that's not really she's not really that level, or he's not really that level. And then you get disqualified. You know, that was that was always the uh, rider that the captains kind of knew was the deal. Like, you know, hey, you know what, if you get on our team, the chance you could be, you know, disqualified at state. So, yeah, that happened a lot. Happened at sectionals, too. I want Brett to show up at sectionals and disqualify people. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that'd go go over big. But I I think there was some value to that, you know, and I think the system we have now is pretty good. Yeah. Did people ever fight you when you tried to disqualify them? They weren't happy. Did they give you a hard time, I guess? Well, of course, the, the Olympic softball players were, you know, in tears. We've been practicing. We've been paying to take lessons. And, like, I, look, I get it, you know. I, I, I totally get it. But you're killing everybody. And it's no fun for anybody. And you go to sectionals, you're going to kill everybody there because there'll be no, no fun for anybody there. And, uh, you know, because they were slamming overheads and, you know, 2-5 and, you know, just doing things that 2-5s just don't do because they were just such, so much more athletic. So it just wasn't fair. <laughs> Did anybody ever try to pay you to give you a lower rating? Oh, uh, no. No. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I just want to know. I don't know. Maybe somebody did try. Well, you know, with all the shenanigans they have in league play, then that's not really a far-fetched question. <laughs> right? I mean, people want a towel, Aaron. Right? They do. <laughs> right. I love these because they're, they're not the questions that we had in mind, but I love it. <laughs> no, we're having fun. So there you go. <laughs> Can you tell us, sorry, I'm still giggling over <laughs> Has anyone ever tried to pay you? <laughs> oh, they would do that in league play now. Yes. So we know some people that would do that. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. This is a funny story. I'll just tell you this. I was teaching one time and I was teaching some ladies that were 3-0 ladies and they were playing somebody on a hard court and they hit a ball and the ladies questioned them, right? And, they, and, and my lady said, oh, no, 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 the ball was out. And it's hard court. And they said, but we heard it hit the line. I'm like, huh? What did they say? She said, oh, we heard it hit the line. I go, well, you know, you should have said, but I smelled it and it was out because there is no sound on hardcore for a line. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the stuff you hear on adult it, recreational today. You yeah. do. You yeah. hear that kind of crazy stuff all the time. Yeah, no. It's yeah. true. But there's plenty that- of stories out there. That's for sure. Well, and that's why we started this podcast, because we knew we would never run out of stories if we talk about tennis. Definitely. Right? Endless. Can you tell us about your incoming job as a president of USTA Southern? Oh, sure. That's, uh, well, first of all, it's an honor to be, you know, in the position to be able to be the president. It's a big job because Southern has such a big footprint. You know, 25% of all tennis in the United States is played in the Southern section. And we have vast resources to be able to really make a difference in the growth of the game of tennis and in the game of tennis and the health of the game of tennis. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of areas that that we can affect and focus on. So, you know, we've been focusing on parks initiatives, um, diversity, something that's really, really important. Also, we're working on facilities. We're working in the collegiate space. We have We have a shortage of tennis pros. You know, we're trying to figure out ways to uh, recruit pros. We're also in that NGTL space. That's very important to me. Um, the National Junior Tennis and Learning 
where we take at-risk kids and help them with life skills. And, they, you know, they do classroom work and they do tennis after school and this programming. And the, we, we partner with uh, the USTA Foundation and the USTA to, to do that. The Southern section is just a wonderful section because we have such unbelievable volunteers. That's, that's the one thing that I do want to get on the record. Our volunteers are fantastic. And North Carolina has unbelievable volunteers. And our staff is awesome, too. The Southern staff and all the state staffs. I know how much USTA does and Southern does. And it just seems like a huge role as president of Southern. And then to also have a another job. It, everybody that we've talked to, it just seems like everyone takes on so much. And it's impressive. But I'm also like, how does everybody find the time to, you know, to do so much for, you know, growing the game of tennis? So. Well, it's a labor of love, I can tell you that. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's fun. I mean, the, the you know, Mike McNulty, who's president of the USTA now, you know, you know, Mike, um, he was in the Royal Box this weekend, roughing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, he used to always say, look, you know, the some of the nicest people you'll ever meet are tennis volunteers. And he's right. And, you know, all the people that I've met, I'm, I'm friends with, they come fishing with me, I go meet with them. And, you know, and we have fun and, and, it, and you know, it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it, it's fun. And if you just manage your time wisely, it's uh, it's doable. And you realize how much you're doing. Like I was president of Louisiana Tennis Association, right? And then the week after you're not president anymore, you don't get any emails and you go like, wow, I was doing a lot of work. <laughs> but you don't realize it until it's over because it's just normal for you at that point, you know? Since you have played for a number of years, you played in college, can you tell us your most memorable moment on the court? And I'd also like to know from a coach's perspective, too, so both of those ways. From the coaching perspective, my biggest moment was losing in the national semifinals to Georgia at the University of Georgia. And the backdrop to that is I was coach, I was the assistant coach at LSU, and we won the SEC. We didn't lose a match. We beat Georgia at Georgia. We won the SEC tournament. We didn't lose a match. We beat Georgia in the finals. And then we played them in the semifinals at Georgia, and they had 5,000 barking fans, you know, the whole time. And, you know, by the time you catch your breath, you're down a break on every court in the doubles point. And then we went on to lose that match and, and finish ranked second in the country. And the Bryan brothers were playing at that time for Stanford. And I felt like if – we would have beaten Georgia and we made it to the finals with Stanford. We could have given them a match and they had not been in a match the whole year. And by virtue of the fact that they were finally in a match under pressure, we might've had a chance, but they killed everybody that year. But I felt like we had a chance. And my biggest regret was not us not being able to win the Georgia match to get to the point where we uh, were ready to play Stanford, but it was a great experience. And that's why it's one of my, biggest tennis moments because you know it was like davis cup you know you you're in like hostile territory and everybody's cheering against you and it was just loud and it was only coming from one direction you know it wasn't the whole the whole stadium so um a playing moment um it wasn't really a moment it was a day i was playing at lsu and i was a freshman and i, I beat the number one recruit for texas um seven six in the third and then and he, you know, we they, LSU had recruited him hard, and he did, he went. He ended up going to Texas, so I beat him seven six in the mm-hmm. third. And then later that afternoon, I beat another guy that went on to, and he he made he he made the finals in the NCAA in doubles. And then I went on to beat a guy that from University of Kentucky that went on to be an All American. I beat him seven six in the third on the same day, so uh, it was a good day for me. 
<laughs> that is a good day. But that was, you know, the next day I ended up losing to somebody on my team that was really good who ended up playing in the Australian Open. And then my coach, you know, like berated me. And I was like, I, I, I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> We really appreciate Brett being on the podcast. I think it'd be very difficult to play a former Olympic softball player at the 2.5 level. We've included information about Brett's book in our show notes, and we hope you check out our website, which is secondservepodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you on the court soon. Hey, Second Serve listeners, this is Erin. Carolyn and I are so excited that the second slam of the year is happening this month. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the French Open, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch it. Tennis Channel Plus brings you courtside with three weeks of unparalleled access, and they do this with every single court live. Watch on your phone, your smart TV in HD, or like I do, on my iPad while I'm sitting at my desk working all day. I love to flip around to different matches on Tennis Channel Plus to see my favorite players in action. Don't miss your favorite tennis legends battle a new generation of talent and watch exciting new rivalries emerge on the historic clay courts of Roland Garros. If Carolyn and I can't be in Paris in person, at least we can watch all the matches on Tennis Channel Plus. Daily coverage begins on Monday, May 20th. Be there when it happens with Tennis Channel Plus. I know I will be.